The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, we are back with a new Sox Machine Live episode as we are streaming live on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. I am Josh Nelson alongside the managing editor of SoxMachine.com, the co-host of the podcast, it is Jim Margulis as we are streaming in early December, December 7th, 2022, a day that will not live in infamy for the Chicago White Sox because it was a very quiet winter meetings. And that is where we'll be spending a lot of our attention in this particular episode, recapping what happened out in San Diego as the Chicago White Sox didn't do a whole lot during the winter meetings, but there was a ton of activity across major league baseball. A lot of the top free agents have already signed early on. We saw Jacob deGrom sign with Texas and then Justin Verlander signed with the New York Mets. And then it just kind of, the dominoes just kept falling and falling. Trey Turner signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies spent a lot of cash uh, even some old friends found new homes like Jose Quintana. He's joining Justin Verlander with the New York Mets. And then Aaron Judge very early on Wednesday, December 7th in the morning. We're talking like this news broke at 5.45 a.m. local time in San Diego. After John Heyman, Jim, <laughs> that is a tweet that no one's ever going to forget. Uh, tweeted out that Arson Judge was close to signing <laughs> with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, it turns out to be that Aaron Judge is returning to the New York Yankees. And I bring this all up because Jim is on fire with his free agent picks. And uh, I'm going to bring this up on how well he's doing. So, so far out of the 10 that we did on my birthday on November 16th with our friends Cherizi and Beeflo from the 108, uh, we we made our best guesses on where the top free agents would be signing. And Jim, you are five for five, man. Arby's night. Five for five. Uh, yeah, I I thought going to bed last night that uh, you would got uh, Aaron Judge right going to the Giants like that seemed yeah. to be where he was headed. I thought, OK, my perfection streak is over. I don't have to sweat all the negative vibes coming out of Boston with Xander Bogarts or the Cubs looking at the you know, Dansby Swanson when I had Carlos Correa, et cetera. Like, uh, you know, once the, you know, once the, uh, all the chances of perfection are off the board, you can rest a little bit easier. Uh, but nope, still, still, uh, white knuckling, uh, every new rumor that comes up, like the, the, uh, word that the Orioles are not interested in more than two or three years for a pitcher makes our Carlos Rodon prediction look a little shaky, but you never know. Uh, so I'm holding out hope. But yeah, Aaron Judge, I thought it was over. So I feel like I got a second life here. And you, you mentioned Boston and Xander Bogarts, and it sounds like traction is gaining again with Bogarts going back to Boston. And as you mentioned when we did that episode, like, 
Boston has to stop losing these guys eventually at some point. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does make sense to bring back Bogart. So if I bring this back up again, for those that are watching on the stream, but for those that are listening to the, the, the podcast here. So again, Jim and I both had Carlos Rodon going to the Baltimore Orioles, but as Jim just mentioned, the Orioles are not looking for a long-term contract for starting pitching at the moment. Xander Bogarts, Jim's got him to the Boston Red Sox. So if that happens soon, Jim, you could be six for six. Uh, and then Carlos Bogarts. <laughs> and then Carlos Correa, you, you had the Cubs, in which the Cubs are still very interested. I had the Dodgers. It doesn't sound like that's happening because the Dodgers have just come out and said, we, we're not going to sign Carlos Correa because our fans would be too upset, which I, I guess I kind of get that logic, but at the same time, I don't. Uh, and, uh, and Anthony Swanson, I think it's just waiting for Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts to sign before he finds a home. But I, I bring up Carlos Correa here and we'll get into white Sox talk in a minute, but it, from old friend, Dan Hayes, uh, who used to cover the Chicago white Sox along with Aaron Gleeman, who they do excellent work reporting on the Minnesota twins of the athletic ever since Aaron judge has signed with the New York Yankees. One of the side effects is that you had the Cubs and Twins competing to try to sign Carlos Correa. Well, mm -hmm. now the San Francisco Giants and the San Diego Padres have turned their attention to Carlos Correa, and that has made things really complicated for Minnesota and the Cubs to sign Carlos Correa. So his free agency just suddenly got really interesting and fascinating. Again, Jim's got the Cubs. So it, it is possible Jim could be like seven for seven <laughs> to start the free agent pickup, which is incredible. I should have taken you to a sports book and placed some bets on your predictions here. Uh, we would have made a nice profit. So well done. Yeah, it's only when the uh, pressure's low. Money probably would have <laughs> collapsed, but now it's it's like, you know, in golf, like when you're playing for nothing, you make all the putts and then, uh, you know, you, you have money on the line and you miss a three-footer. That's what it feels like. But yeah, no, it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's funny with the Red Sox. They had the reputation early during the winter meetings and maybe like a week before where they were going to be the team that was in on every free agent or every trade target that landed elsewhere. Like the Mets had occupied that in previous winters. I mean, like, yeah, we were thinking about them too. Like, yeah, there's always one team uh, that, that spends the entire time on the outside looking in. The Red Sox were that team. Then they signed Kenley Jansen and uh, Masataki Oshida which I thought was an interesting deal. Five years, $90 million for a guy who might fit on the White Sox. Like Yoshida, left-handed bats, I think questionable defensive outfielder. So he would have been kind of fascinating, but also like a, without like a, I don't think he's a plus defender. So I think without like any kind of like, you know, solid defense, like with uh, Suzuki last year, Saya Suzuki, like he had the defense to fall back on to shore up his value with uh, Yoshida. I, I don't think he had that, uh, you know, quite going for him. Uh, I was interested in seeing his mark, and so the Red Sox signed him, but it does seem like the Red Sox are finally you know, landing guys. So that gave me uh, hope for uh, Bogarts here. Yeah, and they, so far early in the comments for those that are watching the live stream, for those that are listening to the podcast version, you got a lot. You got fanfare here. People are rooting for you. You got Chuck, Jim going for the perfecto. So you got people rooting for you to go 10 for 10, Jim. That would be awesome. Yeah, I don't believe in the uh, jinx. I'm like Burley telling people I got an uh, – Perfect game going on in the dugout. That that's what I'm uh, I'm I'm going with here. All right, channeling those vibes. <laughs> hey, I I don't believe in jinxes either, but I mean this is this is awesome. So you're off to a terrific start with the free agent pickup. Uh, I'm doing okay. I've got three right. I'm doing a lot better than our friends Treasy and Beef Loaf. So I, I feel pretty confident I'm going to finish ahead of them. But I don't is think there there's any writing on it. There's any no steak writing okay. on it. No. I still owe Beef Loaf a steak, but our second steak bet was the 49ers winning more than nine and a half games this year. He had the under, and obviously being a 49ers fan, I have the over. They're at eight wins, but Jimmy Garoppolo is out until the postseason, so they're on their third quarterback. It's going to be interesting in how this finishes. I, I could be sweating uh, at the end. Uh, <laughs> could so. be sweating after your steak dinner. I think you yeah. should have like steak dinners, but only have like two of them a year. So you have to eat like three steaks in one sitting. I, that's a great idea. I love it. And we'll invite you so you can enjoy the pain with us. Yeah. It's not like a net gain. where like, Oh, I owe one steak at the end. No, they think like I won five steak bets. You won three. So five steaks on a plate. 
gosh. <laughs> this is going to be like a $2,000 dinner. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'll, I'll pitch that idea to Beef Love to see uh, how he would enjoy it. But, you know, this is, we're having a very fun start to this episode. And I hate to we're be that guy. <laughs> we're stalling. <laughs> we are we're, stalling. We're procrastinating. Because we have to talk about the White Sox winter meetings here. And boy, they were very quiet, Jim. And Rick Hahn, so for those that haven't been to the winter meetings, it's it's a very weird experience. I don't I think Major League Baseball could do more, especially with fanfare. I think they're missing a golden opportunity to make it even bigger. But from a media perspective, so you hang out all day in a hotel lobby and you're networking with agents that you may or may not know. And you're you're trying to get what they call dope uh, as far as inside information that's being passed along. Oh, that dope. That type of dope. Yeah. <laughs> and around 5 p.m. local time, Rick Hahn will tell everyone to meet me by the pool and that is where he'll have his media scrum. Meet me by the pool for some dope. Yes. And that is where the double speak. And this week, Jim, it was like Rick Hahn's greatest hits. Like everything that he has said during his tenure as White Sox GM uh, came back in full force in 2022 uh, during the winter meetings. And not much was done by the White Sox, even though Rick Hahn says that they were very productive and, We'll get into one quote in particular, but what do you make of the, I guess, lack of activity from the White Sox this week in turning into something like no free agent signing, no trade happened? It's, uh, I would say, dispiriting. Like it makes you think of wasted windows, both with the time where premium free agents weren't ridiculous, like the Bryce Harper Manny Machado thing, superstars in their 20s uh, on the market when none of the traditional big players are going for them. Like, that seems like that's not going to happen again. Uh, you know, getting Bryce Harper for even 13 years, like the, the amount he signed, as we're seeing with the Phillies, not payroll wrecking. Same thing with the uh, Padres and Machado. Like, they can afford elsewhere and like the Padres right now are in the outside looking in. Of, uh, they're now taking the mantle uh, from the Red Sox as the team that's standing there with a lot of cash that people won't take or, you know, just talking about like how they're almost going to sign somebody. Um, so there's that, there's that missed window. There's also the missed window of the last two years of the Tony La Russa hiring, because, you know, listening to him talk about Pedro Griffal and listening to Griffal talk during his uh, availability at the winter meetings, like I get it. I get what these, um, you know, the, these quotes are about in a vacuum, in isolation, where, you know, Rick Hahn's talking about, like, it doesn't matter if we make a deal on December 6th or January 6th. And and I, and I get that. And I get the idea that, you know, Pedro Grafal is really, really going to help uh, the pregame preparation. And he's going to, uh, you know, he and his staff are going to be really hands-on and proactive, and they're going to bring higher energy. And I get that. But it feels like, the White Sox you know, are almost treating themselves like in isolation, like everybody else is constant and they can work gradually to get better at what they're not good at. Um, like with Griffal, you're talking about like, you know, um, just, you know, the, the way they're going to be better prepared. It's like that would have worked in 2022, but in 2023, when you have, you know, maybe Giolito is not as good as they thought and Grandal might have aged in a hurry. And, you know, Jimenez got hurt another year. Robert got hurt another year. Lance Lynn has a knee injury. You know, Kobe, like you have all these reasons that guys might not be as good anymore. You can't pretend that you can just rerun 2022 with the bodies that they had. And, and, and you know, with, with while Cleveland's ascendance and while the division should be a little bit tougher and, and feel like you're going to get a true mulligan on it. And it feels like that's what they're talking about. And, you know, Rick Hahn talks about like a lot of guys who have chips on their shoulders and something to prove. It's like, yeah, that's true. But it also reminds me of like when guys come back from uh, or, or come into spring training in the best shape of their lives, the 20 pounds of muscle. And the reason they're talking about 20 pounds of muscle is because they sucked last year. And and so like whenever you're having that conversation, it's just because it was bad. Like if you have a chip on your shoulder, that means you were bad. And, you know, yep. it could very well mean that you're going to be bad again or the dead cat bounce is not going to bounce as high as it previously was. And what do you have there? So 
that's what disturbs me most about it as is he almost talks about it like it's an out of body experience like I was in charge of this. Like guys were somehow playing out of position. It wasn't that I put five first basemen on the roster. <laughs> Just Andrew Vaughn ended up in right somehow. I don't know how that happened. It might not happen again, but it might. Uh, that's kind of how he talks about it. So that's, you know, that that's why I think, you know, nothing he says is wrong in a vacuum or like at the time. So yeah, he shouldn't be pressured into a dumb trader signing that he doesn't want to make in December 6th to, uh, to quell the rabble. But you know, looking at his whole body of work and just the mess the White Sox made of 2022, um, there's nothing really he can say. And and the lack of action he takes and the frustration with it uh, is, you know, I, I think he has to suffer that frustration because of just everything that went wrong to this point. Yeah, and the quote that Jim is mentioning comes from CHGO, Ryan Herrera, who was there for CHGO, reporting at the winter meetings. Rick Hahn said, quote, when he was asked about can he emphasize with fans wanting the White Sox to do something? And Rick Hahn said, quote, I 100% emphasize with it. I absolutely get it. But at the end of the day, there's no added benefit to acquiring a player doing a bad deal on December 6th. It is a lot worse than doing a good deal on January 6th. Side note, kind of an odd date to pick. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, there's, there's excitement. We feel it. We all come out here. Your staff is out here. You're talking. There's a bit of a fever pitch and energy of focus on the game. We certainly would love to replicate some of the previous winter meetings where we had multiple trades or free agent signings. In the end, we're not going to force it. We're going to wait for the right deals to present themselves and then act accordingly. End quote. Again, that quote comes from Ryan Herrera of CHGO asking that question. Jim, to a point that you just mentioned, this isn't shopping at Target where I go today on December 7th and I see a product. And then one month later, I decide, you know what? I should have gotten that. And you go back to Target and guess what? That product is on the shelf. Now I can buy it. The difference is, is that in free agency and trades, guys could not be available. Like if you mm -hmm. like particular players, you can't wait a month because some other team can swoop in and sign them or acquire them via trade. That's why time is often of the essence during the off season and why you have teams like, or executives like Dave Dabrowski who wastes zero time. He is at a rush. He knows the players that he wants and he goes and he gets them. And you can't argue with his track line of success or his methods because he's one of the few GMs that no matter what organization he's part of, he convinced the owner to spend huge amounts of cash. And I, I just wish Rick Hahn was a little bit more like Dave Dombrowski because while he wants to wait for the right deal, one, what is the right deal mm -hmm. for the White Sox? Like, can, can he explain to me what that right deal is? And two, if you think it could possibly be the right deal, is it still going to be available when you are ready to meet the price? If the price ever gets to the point that you want to meet, like this is, this is where it's aggravating and irritating because what we were told during Tony LaRusso's press conference is that the White Sox have to regain the trust from the fans and they still believe they are a championship contender. I'm sorry. I'm seeing championship contenders right now with a sense of urgency this off season and I'm seeing nothing from the White Sox. So it's very hard for me to believe that the White Sox themselves believe that they are a championship contender unless their plan to win the world series in 2023 is basically stay healthy. And hopefully the chips are so heavy on our shoulders that we don't fail this time. Yeah. It's, it's especially, um, just in an unimpressive quote when it comes after the fact that like they're not going to be making the splashes and they're going to be waiting for the ripples to subside before they make the moves like you know it reminds me of like almost like they're working for a catering company and like we're going to eat after everybody else eats we're going to see what's left and then we're going to you know take some uh you know uh, styrofoam uh you know containers and bring home what we can make of dinner with the leftover food that everybody else didn't eat. That's kind of what it reminds me of, which is not what you want when you're at the, well, I mean, I wouldn't even say they're at the peak of their contention window right now. They're kind of post peak or they have to try to reprop it up. Um, so yeah, it, it's, you know, taken in conjunction with that. It's just, yeah, it's, 
it's not good. And it's not like a, it, it's not a big time player attitude. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. that was the other quote that made me laugh is the potential destination for premium free agents. Like they said, oh, it's very yeah. important to present themselves as a potential destination. And then they immediately go and say, we're not a potential destination for any of these premium players. Like they just immediately just goes and well, one, it's like, you know, that's a, a nothing quote as is like, that's like saying we're a potential destination for Ken Rosenthal, which we are not like <laughs> as much as I like to say it, like, you know, if we don't pony up for Ken Rosenthal services, we are not going to get them. So, I mean, theoretically, Ken Rosenthal could write for us, but right now, given the resources we have, not going to happen. But, you know, that's kind of like along the same lines, but then just to go and say like, uh, it's important to do that, but we're not going to do that. And now we're going to look even, uh, you know, smaller markets, smaller potatoes than we actually you know, should be for a team in Chicago that is supposed to be the best team in Chicago. Instead, you have the Cubs making the big signings or bigger signings, at least. And we'll see what happens with Korea. But if the Cubs wrestle away the uh, the offseason title from the White Sox, I mean, that that only means so much because, you know, the games have to be played. But mm -hmm. if they seeded this window that quickly to be like the team in town, uh, that is just a colossal failure. We have more to discuss about the White Sox lack of activities during the winter meetings and what could be next after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. One note, if you would like Ken Rosenthal to write for Sox Machine, you can help us out by supporting <laughs> us over at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. Your support will enable us one day to hire Ken Rosenthal. Uh, I don't even think Ken Rosenthal would want to cover the Chicago White Sox based on some past columns when he used to write out in Baltimore about Jerry Ryan's <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those are those are classics. And even though he wrote those in the mid 90s, they are still very relevant today. But back to like Rick Hanna and what here's where I'm struggling, Jim, is like the path that he wants to take in this offseason for Rick Hanna and the White Sox front office. We know what the needs are, and we're going to talk about one of those needs in a moment because maybe help is coming shortly after the winter meetings. They need help in the outfield. They would like to have a better second baseman other than the internal solutions that they currently have. But if the season were to start tomorrow after the winter meetings, I mean, we're talking about Gavin Sheets or Aloy Jimenez in left field, Oscar Colas out in right field, and probably Lenin Sosa at second base. And the humor is not lost on me 
because technically the White Sox did make a move this winter meetings. They drafted Nick Avila from the San Francisco Giants system. And Avila now has to be added to the White Sox 26-man roster. And this is someone that Ethan Katz, the White Sox pitching coach, knows because he was part of the Giants organization when they drafted Nick Avila. So Nick Avila is being added to the bullpen. So the only player the White Sox added to their 26-man roster during the winter meetings is a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Go figure. <laughs> uh, you went somewhere else with the uh, F uh, after go. Uh <laughs> No, not. No, come on. We're we're not that type of show. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, when you said like yeah, it was a quiet winter meetings, like you're giving Nick Avila the short shrift here. Um <laughs> it is, you know, it's you know, to touch on that a little bit because we are a comprehensive White Sox uh live stream podcast here that not a you know, interesting move uh with uh Nick Avila being a um you know, somebody with the Giants who overlapped with Ethan Katz, somebody who uh, was unimpressive until last year, and it coincides with him converting to relief uh, full time. Like he was a terrible starter, uh, or like he hit a wall as a starter in high A, but switched to relief, and it's been drama free for a year and a half since he did that. So, you know, mid nineties fastball, good curveball, kind of an unorthodox delivery from the right side, but gets lefties out. At least he did last year. So, I get it, or at least I, you know, I'm interested to see what he does. I'm curious what it does for like the. Uh, front end of the bullpen with like Jose Ruiz and you know the the other kind of cluster there with Matt Foster just uh, you see how that shakes out with him being owed a roster spot in theory but you know sometimes the rule five picks either uh, the you know they're able to like engineer a trade to where like the White Sox might send somebody else to San Francisco in order to keep them you know just there are ways to keep a guy without uh, keeping him on the 26-man roster but right now you know the the way the Giants got rated, their Richmond roster, double A roster, I think lost five guys in the uh, in the multiple phases of the Rule Five draft. That they might want to claw back everybody they can just to feel the team. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Jimmy Lambert has an option left. So talking about as far as the rosters and starting pitching depth, if the White Sox wanted to, they could have Jimmy Lambert go back to Charlotte and try to extend him and add to their starting pitching depth. So drafting Nick Avila, and I know I went on my tirade about the Rule 5 draft, but again, the Rule 5 draft, so many of these selections are pitchers, mm-hmm. and that's what teams take because that's what they're aiming for because you have to add them to, a, to your 26-man roster. They're cheap. That's the benefit. So let's try to find a intriguing, cheap reliever that could be our eighth guy out of the bullpen, and that's what Nick Avila is. If he could be a two-inning, three-inning guy that replaces Vince Velasquez, uh, for seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars in two thousand twenty-three. Okay, that that makes sense. There you go. You a useful Rule Five draft pick. Jimmy Lambert could be optioned to Charlotte. You could extend him out and try to build on your starting pitching depth. And maybe Jimmy Lambert is your seventh starting pitcher, and it buys more time for Sean Burke while you try to find more quadruple A starting pitchers. So there you go. We can make sense of moves that Rick Hahn makes when he makes moves that that's the problem where everyone's just grasping straws right now is what are the Chicago white Sox doing here during this off season? So far, it's just Mike Clevenger uh, and they still need to address the outfield and second base. And there may be some insight on the outfield and something that popped up uh, during Wednesday on the CHGO show uh, and uh, a friend of the show, Uh, He'll be joining us at Reggie's on January 7th, 2023 for the hashtag 108 day live event and be part of our panel. And that's Herb Lawrence and Herbie is somewhat reporting and he's, it's not like bold confidence, you know, some scoop artist, Jim, they're like super confident, like this is happening and they say it with conviction Not saying Herbie's wishy-washy here, Mm -hmm. but he is relaying information that he has received. And what Herb Lawrence of CHGO was reporting on their show is that a signing for the White Sox is imminent with former Rangers, Yankees, Dodgers outfielder Joey Gallo. And supposedly, based on the information that Herb Lawrence has received, the deal is one year, $10 million, which scans for Joey Gallo and trying to bounce back. It's significantly less than what Cody Bellinger, Bellinger got with the Chicago Cubs, which kind of makes that interesting. But what do you think about that possible rumors? Now we talk about post-winter meeting activities for the White Sox. 
Does Joey Gallo make sense for the White Sox? Well, you know, you mentioned you know, uh, Herb Scoop and you said not wishy-washy. And yeah, it seemed like an honest presentation. Uh, just I've heard true things from this person before. You know, don't exactly know where it's coming from. Might happen, might not. So I appreciate the, it seemed like an appropriate level of confidence or just transparency. You can't give away your source, but at least you can say, you know, uh, you know, not oversell it if you're not sure about it. So it seemed like it was a, you know, trying to be appropriate here with uh, just how, you know, in case he's wrong, you know, he, I don't think he wants to eat crow too hard. Um, yeah. It makes sense, like, in terms of, you know, what they need, which is an outfielder. Gallo's a, a, a quality outfielder defensively. Uh, left-handed power bet, which Gallo is. The ability, you know, I guess the question is just, like, you know, whether he can actually tap in the power. And normally I would say, like, no. Like, I, I, I really don't like watching Gallo play. I think it's like a boring brand of baseball. Yeah, I talked about this before when it was with, um, you know, Adam LaRoche and Yonder Alonso and then Edwin Encarnacion, like guys who hit more homers than doubles. Uh, just they, they always set off an alarm in my head because it just kind of amazes me like, oh, they might not have hitting skills. Like they, those, you know, the, the power or the ability to tap into it might disappear. And what do you have? And like Gallo is like the... I'm looking up his numbers here real quick, just to look at the doubles, because it was pretty gross, and I lost the page, uh, just in terms of the homer double disparity. Yeah, in his career, 177 homers, 89 doubles. Like, basically... And he's, he's athletic. He's fast. Yeah. He's 29 for uh, 37 in stolen bases. Like, you know, he's, you know, he can pick his spots to run, but just, like, the way his game is kind of degraded, um, you know, it just basically homers and strikeouts and the occasional ground up. The one thing that like gives me a little bit of hope or at least uh, a reason to give him a look is with shifting being uh, banned or at least you know, severely restricted and teams are going to have to get really creative in terms of how they try to deploy a shift against a guy like Gallo. Um, that could be some extra hits that might, you know, get him out of the one sixties range uh, for average, like there is a chance where he could be better than he's been just because the rules have changed to benefit him because, you know, there's no, uh, you know, no purpose in trying to attempt to hit to all fields like this, this lack of shifts really benefits the guys who grip and rip and, and just you know try to hit, you know, do maximum damage. So that might be a way to get him some extra hits he's been missing. Uh, the question is, like now he's going to be in his age 29 season coming off two years in a row of batting 160. So like. That just makes me think like this could be just a disaster and everybody just can't wait to see him go because last two years just been a very boring brand of baseball. He's played very hard to watch. Yeah. If you did not enjoy the Adam Dunn experience, you are not going to like Joey Gallo. Like, is it fair to say Joey Gallo is a poor man's version of Adam Dunn? Uh, offensively. Yes. He actually has, offensively, yeah, 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 he has, you know, defensive value in a corner. So there's that. Are you mocking Adam Dunn's ability to play defense, Jim? There's a classic gif of his defensive ability in San Francisco. I think you made it. Isn't that where you try to cut off Lurie Garcia? Yeah, well, there's that. There's <laughs> also like, that. yeah, there's that. And then there's the one where he just like basically like rounded off the, the ball that rattled in the corner. Like he was like trying to uh, chase down a stray dog and not scare it. Like they're just, <laughs> yeah, there, there are a couple of them where, yeah, just uh, the, the uh, the Oracle Park outfielder, Pac Bell, I think it was called at the time, just really gave him fits. I have to find that. It's a classic gif. I just, I, as a White Sox fan, it's just, it's pain watching that defensive play, but it's hilarious on just this giant Adam Dunn cutting off five foot nine Louis Garcia in the outfield. It's, it's an eclipse is what it is. <laughs> uh, so I, I got Joey Gallo's stat cast data. And a lot of the things that you mentioned, Jim, and like, again, going back to hoping if the White Sox do sign Joey Gallo uh, of what could be fixed. And it's just fascinating because when it comes to strikeout rate, he's one of the worst in Major League Baseball. His expected batting average is at 1%, which is like the worst in baseball. His whiff rate is ridiculous, ridiculously bad. Uh, again, 1%. However, when he makes contact, man, he makes contact. I mean, his heart hit rate percentage is in the 94th percentile in Major League Baseball, and his exit velocity numbers are insane. 
And the thing about the shift is, I don't know if the shift does a whole lot for Joey Gallo because he doesn't put the ball in play enough. And what was interesting is that his weighted on base uh, batting average, so WOBA, his WOBA was better when there was a shift on him the last two years. Mm-hmm. If he didn't shift against him, his numbers got worse because he struck out. <laughs> he didn't put the ball in play. So it's one of those things like with Joey Gallo, it's just, and then they've been screaming about this ever since his days with the Texas Rangers. And I remember having Keith law when we were the, the Southside Sox podcast long ago, we were talking about Trey male Chesky being the fifth ranked white Sox prospect. That's how long Woo. ago this conversation was, but he brought up Joey Gallo because at the time when Gallo was a prospect, he had 80 grade power but it was seriously like 40 grade contact at that moment, at that point. And at age 29, based on the stat cast numbers, it's still 80 grade power, but it might be 30 grade contact. Jim. Mm-hmm. And now going back to the coaching staff where Rick Hahn, that's the one thing that he's super enthusiastic about is Pedro Grafal. I wonder if this is a worthwhile project just to see if Mike Tosar and the new coaching staff for the the hitters themselves can work their magic because it worked with Jorge Soler and he was having difficulties. And then all of a sudden it clicked for him and he led the major leagues in home runs. And I'm not trying to blow smoke up every white Sox fans, butt with Joey Gallo, but man, if he hit like 250, he could lead the league in home runs with the type of power he has because he is a team ball in air guy. His ground ball rate last year was just 28% between the Yankees and Dodgers. So if he hits the ball, makes contact, it's a fly ball or line drive. And we know at guarantee Ray Field, he has a chance to do some damage. So I, I could see the upside here. And it would is it a worthwhile project, I guess, for the new coaching staff? I would say not even 250, like 220, I, I think is what you have to think of with Gallo. Because okay. uh, looking at 2021 before he was traded to the Yankees, uh, 223 batting average, 379 OBP, 490 slugging. Like that would be fine. Um, you know, That'd be awesome. Strikeout rate was, was ridiculous. Uh, 125 over 95 uh, games, but he did walk 74 times, 25 homers, only six doubles. Uh, so, and that's uh, the case where just like the, the most extreme version of his profile, but 220, especially in this environment where batting averages are sinking, they might, you know, as we talked about, they might, you know, kind of boomerang back because of the shift. We'll see what that, that, you know, how that affects certain hitters uh, like Gallo, but I would get it. I wouldn't be excited. I would kind of dread watching him, but I would understand the play. Um, And and it would be a guy who at least is a legit outfielder should be out there uh, in the field with a glove. Uh, It does, uh, yeah, I guess provide like a level of insulation for, um, you know, Oscar Colas or Aloy Jimenez, you know, just, um, somebody who can rotate in and out with those guys to not put all the pressure on them. Um, you know, whether it's Colas breaking camp with the club or Jimenez being most time DH, he would uh, uh, create the ability to do that. So I would get it. Um, I just wouldn't really be excited about it because I would dread that the 160 hitter is here. And that's just not a lot of fun. Would it be better than Nomar Mazzara? Yeah, because uh, Mazzara did not <laughs> That have- was quick. Yeah. Well, it's because Mazzara, when he came to Chicago, he, you know, he had the occasional like, you know, massive home run, but he did not have like, uh, you know, demonstrable strengths over the course of a season. Like Gallo does a couple of things. Well, he like, you know, Mazzara didn't walk to go along with the occasional Homer. So just 20 Homer power with a guy who, uh, you know, his OBP might not be 300 and might not, uh, you know, he might not hit for that high of an average and might have to be uh, platooned against lefties. Like, you know, Mazzara didn't have those things going for him. So that's why I think like Gallo at least offers something, you know, why he's here, you know what they hope to get out of him versus like a guy like Mazzara, who has never been, you know, above average and thinking like, well, we can be above average because he just needed a change of scenery. That's, I think what I'm, I'm looking for here with Gallo, but I would, you know, if the White Sox acquired him, it would be just a case where you better have a plan B by May in order. And in case this thing is just, you know, he has the kind of career that he had in New York. And then with the Dodgers, he had like a quick uh, burst of success that made people think like, oh, he just needed to get out of the uh, out of the Bronx. And then like he ended up in the same place with the Dodgers. So that's why I think like, you know, if it's not working, 
uh, it's probably going to reveal itself pretty quickly that uh, they better have uh, a way to move past him or at least relegate him to extremely specific role duty. In other post-winter meetings, uh, possibility for the White Sox in addition, uh, Scott Merkin of MLB.com, the White Sox beat reporter, uh, reporting that the White Sox have interest in signing Victor Reyes, former utility player for the Detroit Tigers, uh, to a minor league contract, maybe be in competition for the White Sox fourth outfielder uh, role as, again, the White Sox non-tendered Adam Engel. And I could I, I mentioned this in the Twitter spaces that we hosted during the week uh, for lunchtime at the winter meeting set. I could also see the White Sox going back to Adam Engel and signing him to like, I don't know, 900,000, a million dollars to be the fourth outfielder if they don't add multiple outfielders. But I mean, you do raise a good point here, Jim, with Joey Gallo. Like if it doesn't work out in May, you, you better have a backup plan. And I'm still thinking that maybe Oscar Colas is that backup plan in the White Sox mind. But then you are inviting the conversation of who would you rather start at a corner outfield spot on opening day? Oscar Colas or Gavin Sheets, or maybe even Aloy Jimenez. Like two of those three are going to be mm-hmm. in a corner outfield spot, and the other one is going to be at DH. And maybe that's a worthwhile conversation to have to see on how things progress during spring training. Uh, I still feel like Oscar Colas, again, I, I said I'm 90% sure, and I'm still 90% sure he's going to be on the opening day roster starting in one of the corner outfield spots for the White Sox because you could trust him more defensively, even though he hasn't played in the major leagues, than a first baseman of Gavin Sheets or Aloy Jimenez. And maybe Jimenez defensively looks better than Colas because Colas is a rookie and there's some adjustment to do. But the the the, the, the fear not. with Jimenez <laughs> is getting himself hurt. That's why you don't want him to play yes. in the outfield. Uh, but other than Joey Gallo, any other ideas or thoughts on what other possible directions the White Sox could go here, Jim, post-winter meetings? Well, the relief market, as we talked about before the winter meetings, are going into it thinking about what could happen. It seems like the uh, musical chairs is uh, starting to wrap up when it comes to free agent uh, relievers who could be closers like uh, Jansen signing with the Red Sox. Um, you know, that that's probably a pretty close uh, simulation to what Hendricks uh, would be worth. Like he got two for 32 and Hendricks is better than uh, Jansen. So you're probably looking at like maybe what two for 40 in this market uh, with Hendricks, if you were signing a two-year deal. So uh, I, I think the value is there just more of a matter as we talked about before, like in, in the whole idea of like trades being more fruitful for the White Sox than free agents. Like, yeah, I mean, like, Hendricks could be worth something, but then like, are you opening a hole in your bullpen for a lineup that still might have to win a lot of close games because the offense isn't generating huge leads. So that's, I think, you know, the, the dilemma here, as we're talking about like, you know, how the white Sox can solve things. But um, yes, on the, uh, uh, in the chat here asking like what plan for second base. And as we saw in my, uh, in the free agent predictions uh, pool, I had my big White Sox signing being Adam Frazier and he's still there. So, although all our free agents, I believe are still there, correct? They, they are, but Andrew Benatendi now has interest with the Yankees and Astros. So I'm going to be out like that's not happening. (laughs) Yeah. So you had Adam Frazier who's still out there. Jerezy had jerks and Profar. And uh, Beefloaf had David Peralta, which I forgot about. He's still available. So I'm not feeling good about mine. When the Yankees and Astros are going after Ben Attendee, the White Sox should be going after Ben Attendee with that train of thought. Uh, but it doesn't sound like they're going to be able to outbid either the Yankees or the Astros for Andrew Ben Attendee. And so is life as a White Sox fan right now. The Indeed. again. Again, the the whole point you made, like the trade market being more fruitful than free agency. If the White Sox signed Joey Gallo, so they patched up starting pitching, in their opinion, with Mike Clevenger. They patched up one of the outfield spots, theoretically, with Joey Gallo. I'm going to keep asking this. Rick Hahn, how is the trade market going to be more fruitful than free agency? Like, what are you going to be trading for with what assets to net you a better return than Mike Clevenger and Joey Gallo on one-year contracts. Like that's where 
I'm still curious about that particular comment because he still seems pretty confident that they're going to be able to pull off a trade, but I don't know what kind of trade that would be Jim and what they would be willing to give up in that type of trade and acquiring what kind of player. Like that's where I'm, I'm still confused. Like I, I don't understand the path the White Sox want to take via trade. Yeah. Especially if you're talking about like the, you know, not trading from a strength like the bullpen and, you know, more, you know, skimming off the top of your prospect list. Like we talked about it, you know, and, and I've written about it saying like, the whole idea of not spending past the Yasmani Grandal contract or the, you know, um, you know, the corner they kind of painted themselves into like in this $170 million payroll that they have right now with extensions that are not bearing fruit yet, or maybe at all. Um, you know, with, with Grandal, if they're counting on him producing in the fourth year of a deal, you know, rather than just accepting it as the inefficiency of signing a 30 something catcher who gave you what you needed up front, uh, that makes it, that just kind of warps, how most teams treat free agency. Like if you need to go four for four in your multi-year deals or six for six or like eight for nine in your long-term contracts, then you're never going to play in that market just because, or you're never going to feel good about it because you're just dreading that, uh, you know, the worm to turn. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the problem with Rick Hahn having permanent job security is that he just dreads having to pay the ninth year of Manny Machado deal or the 12th year of Bryce Harper. And just uh, rather than, you know, worried about, you know, getting fired because he doesn't, uh, you know, make the postseason in, in the peak of a contention window. And so he just, you know, um, goes for it and leaves the mess for the next guy, which is the Dombrowski move. Um, that's, I, I think, the, the issue here. And like if you're skimming off the top of the uh, prospect list when like say after the year, uh, theoretically, Giolito's a free agent. Uh, Grandal is a free agent. Lance Lynn can be a free agent if his knee uh, continues to be bad. You have, you have some like money coming off the books. You can do like a quick regrouping. Like maybe you don't you know, uh, throw good money after bad to try to prop up the rest of this core, but you can at least uh, you know some money melts off the books. Uh, you have some guys who might be dealt. You might be able to rearrange the uh, depth chart a little bit. And then you might have, that might be the time for uh, Ramos and Montgomery to come up and start like getting their, uh, you know, making their debuts in a lower pressure environment. Kind of like we saw with the uh, Guardians, uh, with the Lindor trade, uh, getting Jimenez, getting Rosario, like just a quick regrouping, uh, just because the timing is right. You, you need like one more year for your prospects to come up and you have like one more year before the payroll really changes. So you just accept that as like um, a quick, it is what it is situation. And if they, you know, peel off the top of the prospect list to try to prop up this window, uh, that just makes, they're really committed to this current roster. Uh, but they're using, I think, the wrong resources to do it because cash is there, especially after the year. Uh, cash will be there to continue paying like a Brandon Nemo type, uh, even if he is like a titan on the payroll compared to nobody else. Like there are ways to keep paying people, but there isn't a way to generate quick talent that's like double A or higher um, in order to try to make the next roster transition a lot uh less painstaking than the whole, you know, this last rebuild was. Good points, Jim. Good points. We'll see what the White Sox do post-winter meetings. We are 70-some days away from spring training with players reporting in mid-February, and then you have the World Baseball Classic in which Aloy Jimenez is going to play for the Dominican Republic. Tim Anderson is going to play for Team USA. Yoan Bacada and Luis Robert are going to join Jose Abreu, uh, and play for Team Cuba. Uh, so that'll be kind of fun and numb and heartbreaking <laughs> for White Sox fans watching Cuba during the World Baseball Classic. But that will be interesting to see in February, March, and we're going to continue to follow the White Sox and see what they do the rest of this offseason. There are still some big free agents that need homes. So again, the shortstops, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogart, Stansby Swanson, old friend Carlos Rodon, Still needs to find a new team. Brandon Nemo hasn't signed with anyone yet. So there are still some big free agents that still need homes. And we'll see if the White Sox can muster some type of trade to, to help 
make the roster better. And we'll see if this scoop from Herb Lawrence from CHGO regarding Joey Gallo uh, comes to fruition. But if any news does happen again, come and read us daily on socksmachine.com. Follow us on Twitter as well. We are at socksmachine. You can follow me on Twitter at socksmachine underscore Josh as uh, we continue our coverage of the Chicago White Sox. And it will do it for this live stream. And if you did watch the live stream, thank you so much for doing so. If you're listening to the podcast version and if you would like to see a future Sox Machine live live stream while we are doing these shows, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to watch the live stream or if you don't want to watch us on video, you just want to hear the audio, every audio from the live streams gets uploaded into our podcast feed which you can subscribe to the socks machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as spotify and apple music i made a joke about it before but if you do enjoy our work we're and you deadly would like serious more, now <laughs> we're deadly serious now you can help support us at patreon.com socks machine where our patreon supporters they get more they get exclusive content they get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website when we, when we have new Sox Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, and you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your own for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.